Come on, if you're a believer, let's give the Lord praise tonight. Father, we love you and adore you. We magnify you and we exalt your great name, Lord. Thank you for all of your wonderful people. Thank you for your people, God. Amen. I am so thankful for our singers and our musicians and the talent that this great church has. And I appreciate all of you. I want you to know that. And I appreciate wonderful people um, like Sister Gwen and that can get up and just make a great presentation. And just we all know that she loves the Lord. And I appreciate all of you who love the Lord and serve him in gladness. I mean that from my heart. And I have been asking Sister Janet to speak ever since Mother's Day because I'm going to tell you, if you were here Mother's Day, she did a fantastic, fantastic ministry. And so I finally had to give her a pay raise of 50 cents, but she took it and said, okay, for 50 cents, I'll do it. I'm joking. She said, I'll hold you to it. I had seen your discount. But she's going to come tonight and she's going to be speaking on Psalm 27. And she is going to give an anointed and a clear word. I appreciate my wife. She's beautiful inside and out. Yo, I got to tell this real quick. She ain't going to even appreciate this, but she laughs. You'll think it's funny. So Janet has a first cousin. They grew up together. His name is Timothy. And they all grew up in Bay City and went to church together. And Timothy's wife, she was 60 years of age, and she just passed away. So Janet wanted to go to the funeral. So we put her on a plane to Florida Sunday. She flew to Florida. She's with that family all day Monday. Ministered to them. Flew back Tuesday. And they were reminiscing and talking. And there was an evangelist and his wife. And they had a son. You don't want me to tell it. I can't tell it. It's funny. Will you give me permission? I won't if you don't give me permission. Y'all, I'm going to make it real quick. But it's the Clarks, brother and sister Clark. Oh my God. I done said it. They had a little boy. I won't say his name. And Janet and the pastor's daughter taught him how to eat his boogers. Here's the funny thing. They were all laughing about it at the funeral and said the worst thing that Janet has ever done in her life was taught a little boy how to eat his boogers. And I thought... That's not the worst thing I've ever done. (laughs) I've done some things I had never told y'all about because I ain't proud about it. I wish that I could say the worst thing Wayne's ever done is taught somebody how to eat his boogers. But that may sound gross, but I really say it as a compliment because Janet has been such a Christian such a lover of God and a lover of people and I really do appreciate her Christian walk 
And what, what she does is not because I make her do it. What you see is what you get with Janet Lee Nealon. She's real. She's authentic. And she loves God. And I am happy tonight for you to hear this word, Psalm 27, from a wonderful Christian lady. Janet, I love you. This church loves you. Happy birthday. You're going to do great tonight. Oh, my goodness. What an introduction. Well, they just said that that was the worst that I'd ever done. That's because they don't know everything. And I know that this really doesn't make it better, right? So the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, is... I had been invited over to the pastor's house to hang out with his daughter. And... They made us babysit him, and we didn't want to babysit him. And his nose was filthy all the time. And so we just got this bright, horrible idea to teach him how to clean his nose. I did get called up on the platform uh, privately, but I still had to sit up on the platform with the pastor. And I had to excruciatingly tell the pastor what I had done and ask for forgiveness. Then I had to go to the evangelist quarters where the evangelist stayed and I had to excruciatingly tell them what I had done and ask for their forgiveness. And as I'm crying and <laughs> couldn't hardly get it out after I you know, asked for their forgiveness. They just busted out laughing. They said, thank you. Man, we've been trying to clean his nose. He just shakes his head and does all this, but he's kept his nose clean ever since you taught him how to clean it out. I don't know if that was true, but man, they laughed. I still didn't laugh till years later. And we did, um, we cried a lot this week and we've laughed a lot. It's good to reminisce good to stir up the sugar in the tea, right? Enjoy that sweetness. So I know that you're standing, um, and you can be seated for a little bit. So I am, I am going to do this, even though pastor kind of took my joke time. Uh, I asked Layla, Layla to share a joke with me. So here it goes. Yesterday, I saw a guy spill all his scrabble letters on the road. And then I asked him, Hey, what's the word on the street? Good joke, Layla. Isn't God so good and his mercy endures forever? In one of the darkest times of my childhood, I began reading Psalms chapter 27. Every night aloud for years, so much so that I put it to memory. God's word will change our life forever if we let it. So tonight we're going to begin a little differently. And I want us to read together in the book of Psalms. If you don't have your Bible, they're going to have it up on the screen. And we also have it all written for you here inside of your handout. Now, the reading of the book of Psalms that we're going to do is taken from the English Standard Version. That's not the version that I put to memory, but uh, this is the version that we're going to read tonight. And so as I read aloud, if you will read with me, and we're going to read all 14 verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail or attack me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked or desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord. And lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and for your blessings. We open up our hearts to receive all that you have for us tonight, God, and help each one of us to leave better than the way that we came in because of your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Psalms chapter 27 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It spans the emotions from strong to weak to unsure to needy to contentment to ultimate trust. Psalms 27 is written by the psalmist David. There's controversy as to when the psalmist David penned the 27th Psalm. Some say it was in his youth after he was anointed king, but not yet king. Others say King David wrote the 27th Psalm at the end of his reign as king. For how can a man understand such emotions? And yet the other side says, of course, a young man can understand the full spectrum of emotions. He killed a lion. He herded sheep. He slayed a giant. He ran for his life. But tonight I'm not here to debate the controversy of when Psalms chapter 7 was penned by David. For I really see both sides. As a young girl, I didn't slay a lion or a literal giant. But I did have to overcome the abuse and abandonment that was in my life. I do believe that young people, even children, can have an understanding of all kinds of emotions because of their life experiences. But no matter, 
when David penned Psalm 27, I believe Psalm 27 can be summed up into one word, stronghold. And so that is the name, that is the title of my message tonight, stronghold. Now, not the strongholds like in Minecraft that some of the young people that are in here um, would play. So, you, But it kind of gives you a little general idea. But a stronghold is a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. The more modern term for stronghold is fortification. Fortification in military science is any work built to strengthen a position against attack. Now, fortifications and strongholds are designed to assist the defender so that the defender can obtain the greatest advantage from the strength and weapons he or she has obtained while preventing the enemy from gaining advantage over them. So for tonight, let's look at the 27th Psalm, the Psalm of Stronghold. Now we're going to break Psalms 27 into groups of verses. And let's see how we can apply it, this beautiful Psalms to our everyday life. It seems that no matter what age David wrote Psalms 27, he was feeling strong and secure in his God at the beginning of the Psalm. As Brother David Grigsby so beautifully encouraged us last week, the psalmist David was confidently looking into the face of God. Maybe he began reminiscing of the past battles God had brought him through. So let's reminisce with David. With the psalmist David, God had given him strength to slay the lion and the giant. God had been with him when he was running and hiding in the caves from King Saul. Verses 1 through 4. Three of Psalms 27 begins strong and confident. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? Here at the beginning, David made God his stronghold, his light, and his salvation. Stronghold number one, God is my light and my salvation. At an early age, David began to understand that if he was going to make it through this life, God must be his light and his salvation. Remember the boy David was out in the fields all alone, day and night, herding and watching the sheep. As if he was going to make it, he was going to need help. We don't know that the lion or the bear came in the day or in the night. We, but we do know that they came. So it wasn't just a literal light that David needed for God to be, but also a spiritual light. For when fear wanted to overcome the psalmist David as a young boy, when loneliness and despair all alone began to overtake him, David had made God the stronghold in his life, a light to show him the way. A light that would dispel all of the darkness of the thoughts that were tormenting him at night. A light to lead him to salvation, not just for his soul, but for the physical salvation from the lion and the bear. David had made God the stronghold in his life, 
a light and an intangible barrier against every enemy. For we see this example as David is hiding in the cave from King Saul. And um, but notes to King Saul, King Saul walks into the cave where David is hiding. Instead of David easily killing King Saul, he allows God to be the light to shine upon his life and remind him of his purpose. David, don't react in your emotions. I will fulfill my purpose through you, the very purpose for which you were created. And because God was David's light and salvation, he did not kill Saul. Even though he was given the opportunity, David became king. Now we see in Psalm chapter 27 that with every stronghold, there is going to come a promise. So promise number one, God is my confidence and boldness. David did not necessarily have confidence in himself, but because he knew who his God was and because he had made God his stronghold, he was not relying upon his own strength. He was trusting in the strength of the almighty God, the one who could save him. So when the Philistines had come against the children of Israel, and the giant Goliath had presented himself, and no one else wanted to fight the giant because their fear had overtaken them. We read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the boy, David, could say with confidence, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. With more confidence, David continues, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So let's just stop here a minute. Remember when we said earlier that fortifications and strongholds are designed to assist the defender so that the defender can obtain the greatest advantage from the strength and weapons he or she has obtained while preventing the enemy from gaining the best advantage. If we look at the boy David, Saul offered him his own armor to fight against the giant because he couldn't believe that David wanted to go and fight the giant. And he said, you can't go alone. You need all my armor. But David said to Saul in 1 Samuel, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. David could not fight with Saul's armor. He had to fight with the armor that he had been using on a daily basis. The armor he had proved and that had helped him. Life will bring us struggles, disappointments, and frustrations. People will lie and cheat on us. Sickness can rack our bodies with pain, troubles, and more troubles. But many times we are overwhelmed beyond belief because we have not taken time to prove and sharpen the armor God has provided for us. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 through 18 begins, put on the whole armor of God. We are compelled to put 
own, we must take action. But many times when we come against an attack, when a strong attack comes against us, we retreat, we stop praying, we stop coming to church, we fall back into our own insecurities, we fall back into our bad habits, we stop putting the word of God into our heart, we stop making the hard changes, and we give into our own selfish desires of our own heart. But Ephesians compels us to take action. We must put on. Verse 13 says, take the whole armor. Verse 14 says, stand putting on truth. Verse 16 says, taking the shield of faith. Verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18 says, praying always and watching. It is an action chapter, Ephesians chapter six. If we are to overcome in this life against the lions and the bears and the giants in our life, we must take action to make sure God is our stronghold. But to receive the promise, we must also take action to prove God is who he says he is. Allowing God to show forth his strength, his peace, his glory in our life, in the midst of our daily life, no matter what it may bring. The boy David, he took the weapons he knew. Five stones, a little sling, and God Almighty. And he stood before the great giant Goliath that day, And David proclaimed with confidence and boldness, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head that All the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword or spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. David slew the giant, not with sword or spear. He was just a boy, but with the mighty God that was by his side. Many times we shrink back into our fear and our despair. Instead, we must stand up with the bold spirit of the living God that is within us. And we must proclaim, God is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The God David had allowed to make a stronghold in his life. The God he had trusted in during the dark hours of herding the sheep. The God who he put his faith in when the lion and the bear came with destruction. He didn't wait until he came against the giant to get things right and to prove God faithful. He began proving God a long time ago. All alone in the field with the sheep. First, we must make God the stronghold in our life. He must be the light that shines the way to salvation, the way that we need every day in our life. And then we will receive the promise of confidence and boldness in Christ. Not because we're strong, but because of his strength. We are strong in God. Now, I'm not forgetting about verse 4. We're going to come back to verse 4. 
But we find the second stronghold the psalmist David penned in Psalm 27 in verses 5 through 10. The first three verses, David is writing with confidence and boldness. But in verse 5, he kind of begins to decline, kind of like us. Sunday mornings, we leave all pumped up and are ready to tackle the world, but by Tuesday, our heads are hung low and our spirit is heavy and we're struggling and kind of griping and complaining about life. Any of y'all ever do that? Yeah. I know I have many a times. David is like many of us, continually encountering trouble. David seems to always be struggling and wrestling in the book of Psalms. When David is a young man before he becomes king, he is out in the wilderness running for his life. As soon as he becomes king, his enemies come in and they decide they're going to attack him. So David has to flee and is back out in the wilderness running for his life again. Then when he becomes old, it's different now. He's an old king. But his own son Absalom is attempting a coup d'etat or a coup, an overthrow of power. And so here goes David again, out in the wilderness, running for his life. I mean, let's face it, David is like many of us. He's struggling with the reality of his humanity and the reality of living in a fallen world. And in Psalms chapter 27, verses 5 through 10, we see our second stronghold. The second stronghold of David's life is God is my protector, my shield, and my shelter. We tend to dismiss that God even needs to be our protector, our shield, and our shelter. I know I have, because we want heaven on this earth. We don't want to struggle. We don't want disappointment. I don't. I don't want sadness and grief and loss and pain. But David admonishes us in Psalm 27. In fact, he is actually singing. That's what the Psalms is. A song. He is actually singing about it. God is my shelter. God can't be a shelter for me unless I'm standing in the pouring rain with lightning striking. And I have no place to go but to go to God. God can't be my shield if I'm not in the midst of a battle with arrows hurling at me. Arrows of ugly words or abusive actions. Arrows of doubt and anger and hurt. God can't be my protector if I don't need protecting. If I'm all safe and warm when things are going just right and all is perfect in our life. We don't need protection. But when people begin to speak untruths about us, when others lie on us, then who is our protector? If we have built God as the stronghold in our life, the psalmist David tells us God is our protector, our shield, our shelter from the storm, from the enemies. It doesn't say nothing will come our way that's really bad. It says God will hide me in his shelter, in, in 
the day of trouble. He will conceal me. He will lift me so that my spirit and my inner man is not destroyed by the lies, by the destruction and the disappointment that is around me. My spirit can only be renewed by the word of God. My spirit can only be refreshed by the spirit of the living God. Safety does not mean safety from trouble. Safety means safety in trouble. In verse 10, David is saying, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me in. That we know of, David was not literally abandoned by his mother and father. But because of the trouble he had experienced, because he had allowed God to be a stronghold, David is saying, God is my protector, my shield, my shelter in the midst of these troubles. David said, even if my mother and my father, the very essence of the ones who are supposed to protect me above all others, if they forsake me, if they turn their back on me, or if they just can't even really help me, I know who my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. He is my stronghold and fortress. He is my shield and my salvation. He is my protector and my light. He is my shelter from every single storm that will ever take place in my life. He is my God. And with that, Psalm 27 leads us into the second promise. God is my joy. Verse 6 says it like this. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Not because God has removed all of the troubles from me. But because when trouble does come, and it will... I can sing with confidence and boldness. I can shout with joy. God is my salvation. God is my shelter from the storm. God is my stronghold. The psalmist David said that God is such a stronghold in my life that when fear comes knocking, when depression seems to seep in, when anger begins to rear its ugly head, when my life seems to spiral out of control, I can shout with joy, as Isaiah says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. As Romans boldly reminds us, what shall we then say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things that are going to ever come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Do you hear me? Nor any other creature, nor anyone in your life shall be able to separate us from the Lord God Almighty. I cannot sing in a haughty better than you way. But I can sing with humbleness and heart because I know I could not do it on my own. I had to have God as my stronghold in my life to lift my head above my enemies or else I would have drowned in despair. 
I can sing of God's wonderful praises and glorious acts of salvation in my life. And he has saved every one of us. Every one of us have a story of salvation to tell. As we read and realize the struggles of David's life, we wonder how could David have such faith and insight? What drove him to make God his stronghold? Which brings us to stronghold number three. God is my desire. Now in this portion of Psalms 27, we're going to group verse 4 and verses 11 through 14 together. David realized his need for God. He says it like this in verse 4. I'll be safe if I get one thing. Not health. Not wealth. Not friends. Not loved ones. Not success. Not popularity. But one thing. David had cultivated his, his heart so that only one thing was important. And David works toward that one thing. Verse 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David begins his desire by seeking, dwelling, gazing, and inquiring. So how do I dwell? So how do I seek? I'm sorry. I must dwell in his house, in his presence, in relationship with Christ. How do I dwell? I gaze. I gaze upon his beauty. How do I gaze upon his beauty? I read his word. I spend time with him. I receive what he has to say to me. I give God opportunity to show forth his glory in my times of trouble. I wipe out the expectations that this life will be heaven. I redefine my understanding to embrace that this is a world of sin and with it is many troubles. And I seek and dwell and gaze upon the beauty that God is always with me. That nothing or no one can ever separate me from the love of God. That God is always working for my good. The preacher Jonathan Edwards from the early 1700s 1700s wrote, The difference between a Christian and a renewed heart by the Holy Spirit Christian is the Christian find God's useful, but the renewed heart Christian find God's beautiful. When I begin to gaze upon the Lord... I begin to see his beauty, not what all he can do for me, even though that is beautiful, but I see who he is, the God who loves me, the God who died and rose again for me, 
the God who washes over me with forgiveness in his loving kindness and his tender mercies, the God who gave me purpose before I was ever even put into my mother's womb, the God who desires relationship with each one of us so much that he robed himself in flesh. He died upon a cross in great suffering and shame. I see the beauty that he didn't just die on a cross, but that he's a living God. And he didn't just go away to prepare a place for me and you. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. His Spirit to live in us, to lead us, to guide us. The Christian is attracted by all the things God can do for him or her. And when we come and ask and we don't get what we want, then we walk away in frustration, aggravation that God didn't give us what we wanted. But the renewed in the spirit Christian sees the beauty of God. Not all God can give, but all God is. The psalmist David was someone who found praise and contemplation of God. This is by far the deepest and most satisfying of all. Though David asked God, help me. Though David was distraught and pleaded many times, David kept going back to one thing. Have I desired? And that will I seek after. I'm not going to the temple just to ask. I'm not praying just because I need. I'm going to the temple because I'm hoping to get a view, to gaze upon his beauty. So when I don't understand, so when death comes, when depression haunts me, when distraction and trouble seems to be at every hand, I can gaze upon the beauty of God. Not on my own selfish needs and desires and what I want, but I can look to the God of my salvation. I can see the shelter in the midst of my storm and I can hide as I gaze upon his beauty. I can see his eternal ways. Even when I don't understand, I can see his ways because I trust him. And the more of his beauty that I see, the more I want to see. I may not always understand, but I desire more and more. The psalmist David said, it's one thing I desire. He keeps pushing and striving toward it. David is actively pursuing God, not just in the way he wants to pursue God. But David is saying, as I gaze into his beauty, I see that I must change. And so David begins to ask God in verse 11, teach me your ways, God, because I don't understand. I don't know how all of this can make me better. So show me that straight path. Lead me into the way of understanding. God, I want to be like you. David is actively seeking and dwelling and gazing and inquiring. Have you come tonight uncertain 
distressed, worried, depressed, lost, overwhelmed, just wondering, is this all that there really is? How can I get back to a place that I know I need to be? Satan, the Bible tells us, has come as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to bring destruction to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every marriage, every family, every home. He wants to bring destruction. But when we gaze, when we cast our eyes toward heaven, when we take time and give God the opportunity to speak, to lead, to show, to change us in the land in which we live, in the midst of our enemies, our troubles, our life, then we can receive the third promise. I can trust God. It is here we find contentment. The same contentment that Paul writes about in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. In everything by prayer with thanksgiving. And the peace of God. He goes on to say, and I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. For my God shall supply. For I have learned in whatever state to be content. All through chapter 4, Paul is continually writing statements of contentment in Christ. David also encourages us in the last verse of Psalm 27. He's saying, if you haven't got what you want, if you don't like the answer that you have, if you're still struggling, when you've done all that you know to do, verse 14, Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Hold steadfast. Remember you have let God build a stronghold in your life. Let your heart take courage and wait for the Lord. Why could David say wait? Because he had seen what God could do. Because God had been and was still his stronghold of light and salvation. He was still David's protector and shield and shelter in time of trouble. And more than anything, David had one desire. To see the beauty of the Lord. No matter what that meant. One thing do I desire. And David reminds us. In the last verse of Psalm 27, just wait. In spite of every realistic view of life, there always seems to be a promise. God is worth waiting for. When life lets us down, when troubles come, and when troubles keep coming, if we have made God our stronghold, the boldness of his spirit will lead us. God's joy will keep our feet firm and the truth and the trust we have in him will keep our faith strong in God, knowing that there is one and only one who will come to redeem us ultimately from all fears, 
from all discouragement, from all depression, from all anger, from all pain, from all weaknesses, and from all trouble. And now we can read Psalm 27 like this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold in my life. Whom shall I be afraid though trouble camp against me? My heart will not fear. For God will hide me in his shelter and in the day of trouble. Because of my enemies, I will learn of his ways. I will sing praises of his joy even though he knows I am weak. He will not hide his face from me no matter who forsakes me. God will never leave me nor forsake me. It's as if David ends the Psalms, chapter 27, on a low note, but he didn't. There is only one thing God will never, ever take from us. He will never take himself from us. After David began gazing into the beauty of the Lord, after he made God and his relationship with God, number one, he leaves us on a note of ultimate faith with the ultimate promise that we find again resounding strong just before the Bible is closed. In the book of Revelation, in the last verses of the book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22 and verses 16 through 21 says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things. The spirit and the bride say, come, let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I believe David had begun to gaze upon God because he had made God his stronghold. David realized not all my answers may be answered and not all my troubles may be gone, but I will wait on the Lord when our heart is troubled and it seems every turn we take, trouble is at the door when we gaze into the eyes of our Savior. When we look into his face, troubles fade away. Fear no longer shakes us to the core. Loneliness no longer smothers us. Anger no longer has a grip on our life. All we see is God and his incredible, merciful goodness and the stronghold he has made in our life. And we must declare, I will wait for the Lord, because there is no one and nothing else worth waiting for. Stand to your feet tonight as the musicians come. I pray that this word encouraged you. I pray that as you look through Psalms 27, as you read it, that you'll read it in a different light. That when the enemy comes against you, when you feel like that you're all alone, 
in a crowd of people at work or at home, whenever there's physical bodies, but you feel so all alone. Or maybe you are all alone at home. When you feel distraught and you don't know about tomorrow. When I said as a child, I was told, my mom said, stepdad and I, we're leaving tomorrow and we're moving to a whole nother city. You can't come with us. You got to find a place to live. I remember sitting, feeling so alone, abandoned. God, what am I going to do? I was old enough and I had a part-time job. I was selling rainbow vacuum cleaners. Whoever owns rainbow, they're cringing because they don't call them vacuum cleaners. They call them something else, but I don't remember. But I knew I couldn't make it on doing that. I was overwhelmed. And God led me to Psalm 27. And it was at that point that I began to read this chapter. And I remember at first, whenever I first started reading it, I would say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I would read it aloud every night. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked enemies came to eat up my flesh, he stumbled and fell. When my mother and father have mistaken me, when I have no place to go, when I'm depressed and I can't seem to get out of bed, and those insecurities and those abandonment issues when they seem to overtake, Whom shall I fear? No one or nothing because God is my light and my salvation. God is the source and the strength of every one of our lives. And there are people in this room that have gone through things much worse than that that have experienced things that they never thought that they could live through. But I come with a word from God. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You are never alone. God is always with you. He is always, if you let him make a stronghold in your life, though you don't understand and you don't know where tomorrow is going to bring, if you'll let him shine his light, there is no one or nothing else that is worth waiting for. There is nothing as beautiful as Christ. 
when he just wraps his loving arms around you. He doesn't always give us an answer. But he does always love us. And so we can say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God, the one who created everything, every good thing. His actual spirit is living in me. Whom shall I fear? When they came to eat up my flesh, when they meant to do me wrong, they stumbled and fell. What should I be afraid of? Nothing. Because I don't stand alone. You don't stand alone. You stand with God. And he has a stronghold around you. When I wanted to run, he said, no. Mm-mm-mm. You're not going. When I didn't do right, he just kept pulling me back. I want you to lift your hands tonight. Lord, I know that there's someone here tonight. You feel alone. They're dying on the inside because life has crushed them. But you are our light and our salvation. Psalms 27 is a stronghold of promise. Whom shall we fear? So God, I don't have to pray for you to do your part. Lord, what I say is thank you for your mercy and keep drawing us close to you. Help us through our trouble and our pain to gaze into the beauty of your goodness. Thank you for your mercy that washes over us as we ask your forgiveness for every sin. Strengthen those tonight who have come distraught, who are lonely. who need encouragement. Those that may not need an encouraging word tonight, God, I pray that when they do need an encouraging word, you will bring Psalm 27 to their mind. Help each one of us, Lord, to do our part and to make your stronghold in our life Remove every stronghold of wickedness and build a stronghold of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we can read Psalms 27. If they can, I want them to put it back up there right quick. 
And I want you to read it with me. We're going to read through verse 4. You can get your, your paper out. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail or attack me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumble and fail. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet will I be confident. For one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that may I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He's here in such a beautiful way. As they begin to sing, you can stay in your pew or come forward, but just allow God to wash over you. Drink from the cup in your hand. 
stay as long as you want tonight. Let the Lord wash over you. Ask Him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But then make sure that you make Him the stronghold in your life because He is worth waiting for. The band's going to keep playing and you can pray as long as you want. I love you. Thank you for listening to me tonight. Thank you for opening your heart to the Word of God.